Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. Revelation chapter number 20, in just a, a few moments, you're going to help me in responsive reading, and, uh, and so if you would, make sure you are there in Revelation chapter 20. We're going to begin uh, in the first verse in just a moment, go through the first six verses, but last week, just as a reminder, we examined the signpost on the road to Armageddon. We, this morning, though, we're going to make a significant transition. We're going to completely change from chapter 19 to chapter 20, and there is a definite difference between these two chapters as we enter into a period referred to as the millennium or perhaps the golden age. Did you know that there's coming a day right here on planet Earth when the Garden of Eden is going to be restored? Can you imagine what Eden must have been like? Imagine with me what took place after Adam had been expelled from the garden. Uh, just using some creative imagination here. A couple of Adam's sons, uh, they're out exploring and, and they climb up at this wall and they, and they look over and they see Eden, that beautiful garden. And they say, man, what a place. And so they run back home and they say, Daddy, you're not going to believe the place that we saw. And they describe the Garden of Eden and its luxury and its fruit and its blossoms and its smells and all the wonderful, amazing things that are there in the Garden of Eden. And they ask, Daddy, do you think we could ever live in a place like that? And Adam sheepishly said, we, boys, we once lived in a place just like that until Mother ate us out of home, house and home, as they say. Well, we can't blame any Eve any more than we can blame Adam. But I want to tell you, friend, that there's a time that we will live in a place like the Garden of Eden. There's coming a golden age. Can you imagine a time where there's going to be no more poverty? Can you imagine a time that there's... You, just all the things that your heart would desire? Can you imagine a time where there'll be no more prisons? Can you imagine a time there'll be no more hospitals? Oh, there'll be no more mental institutions. There'll be no army bases. There'll be no gambling dens. And there'll be no houses of prostitution. And the bloom of youth will be on everyone's cheek. My friend, that day is going to come. The wolf, the Bible says, the wolf and the lamb. The calf and the lion, the little child and the serpent will play together. The implements of war will be a relic of the past and Israel will be restored to our land and Jerusalem will be the world's capital and the saints resurrected will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be an amazing time here on planet earth. From the scripture we know that this time is coming and it's going to be called the millennium. The word millennium means 1,000 years. Mille means thousand, annum means year. And we speak of something being annual. We speak of it being yearly. There's going to be a period of time called the millennium. If you'll take your Bibles there and stand with me at Revelation chapter 20 and verse, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. 
And uh, you'll read verse 2, 4, and 6. Now, verse 4 is very long. And uh, understanding responsive reading, you will lose your energy. It's probably one of the longest verses we've ever read here. So I want to challenge you this morning to follow Pastor Jonathan as he reads. And uh, let's keep our energy up. We're reading back to God this morning. So we're going to read verses 1 through 6. You read the even verses. I'll read the odd verses. The Word of God says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Fathers, we have already prayed. We stand in need of thee. So would you take the words of this message, only words that you would approve of to be spoken. May they be true and accurate and reflective of how you intended this passage to be treated in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Notice with me here in Revelation chapter 20. Verse number 2, it says a thousand years. Verse number 3, it says a thousand years. And look in the last part of verse 4, a thousand years. Look in the first part of verse 5, the thousand years. Look in the last part of verse 6, reign with him a thousand years. Even in the first part of verse 7, the thousand years. A thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. Ten times, ten times ten, a thousand years. Millennium. That's what we're talking about this morning. Referred to as the golden age. Theologians have divided their thoughts about the millennium into three basic schools. And I'll get a little tedious here, but bear with me as we understand, seek to understand this passage of scripture this morning. I think we all need to know this. One school is referred to as amillennialism. The second school is postmillennialism. And the third school is premillennialism. And allow me to take just a moment to explain these three schools of thought. What does an amillennialist believe? He actually believes that there is no millennium. Many times today, the more moderate theologians, generally speaking, are amillennialist. Not all of them, but some true Bible believers are Amillennials. And here's what we understand. If you put out the, the alpha prefix in front of a word, it removes the word. Amillennial literally means no millennium. Let me take a word and uh, illustrate this. Let's take the word amuse. Do you know what amuse means? It means not to think. 
Amuse, if you want to think, you go to a museum. If you want to amuse, you turn on a television. Amuse. And you watch television till your eyes are as big as coconuts and your brain is as small as the size of a pea. And we have people, listen to me, that are amusing themselves into hell. Well, all millennial means no millennium. What these people have done is they've taken all the prophecies that deal with the millennium and they've spiritualized them away. They've allegorized them. They do not look for a literal fulfillment of prophecy. That means Jesus uh, is going to rule and Jesus is going to reign here on earth. They do not believe that God's going to fulfill his promises concerning Israel. Uh, to Israel as such. As a matter of fact, they've taken the promises that God has given to Israel as a nation and a people, and they've uh, applied them to the church. It's pretty slick what they've done. Many theologians today, they've taken all the blessings and they've given them to the church, and they've taken all the curses and they've given them to Israel, and that's all millennialism. They believe that the millennium is just an allegory, if you will, for Jesus ruling and reigning through the church. That's all millennialism. Obviously, I am not an amillennialist, and the fact is, most of you are not either. Then there's something referred to as postmillennialist. The word post obviously means after. There are people that believe that Jesus is coming after the millennium. That is, there must be 1,000 years of peace on this earth before Jesus comes back. And they think that the world has been assigned, uh, the church, I'm sorry, they believe that the church has been assigned to Christianize the world. And after we bring the golden age by the preaching of the gospel, it is only then that Jesus will come back. Now this was very popular in the 18th and 19th century, and and this is um, not nearly as popular today uh, because here's what, we've come to here's what we've come to learn. This world today is not getting better and better. It's actually devolving and getting worse and worse. And we are getting deeper and deeper into sin. The Bible doesn't teach that someday some golden age will come and that we as Christians are to Christianize the world. We're to change society by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I were a post-millennialist, I would be very discouraged right now. Think about World War I, World War II, the Cold War, the terrorism that's sweeping the world. This world is not getting better and better. This world's getting worse and worse by the day, by the hour. God never said the gospel was going to bring in the kingdom. Well, if that's true, then what is the gospel? The gospel is not something to save civilization from wreckage. The gospel is God's plan to save men from the wreckage of civilization. It is a huge difference. And so you're not necessarily bringing in the kingdom by preaching the gospel. You're saving men and women, boys and girls, by getting them ready for the kingdom when Jesus appears again. Now, if you believe you're a post-millennialist, then you've done completely away with the imminency of the return of Jesus. I personally am expecting Jesus to come back at any moment. And I must live my, wife, my life that way, that Jesus can come back at any time. But if I were a post-millennialist, I'd have to wait a thousand years, a thousand years of peace on this earth for Jesus to come again. So there are the amillennialists, there, I'm not one of those. There's the post-millennialist. I certainly am not one of those. But I'm what they refer to as a pre-millennialist, of which most of you would identify. 
And that's what I hope that you will be as I uh, begin this message. We'll finish this message in a couple of weeks from now. It'll have uh, two parts to it. So let me just say, what, uh, ask this question. What is premillennialism? Premillennialism believes that Jesus must come before we can have a thousand years of peace on this earth. That's the best way to describe it. That Jesus is going to come in power and great glory and he's going to rule and he's going to reign in a place called Jerusalem. And today, our major responsibility as men and women, boys and girls, is to prepare people for the second coming of Jesus Christ by preaching the gospel uh, uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now let me just say this. That's why Easter Sunday is so important. Because people will consider coming to church on Easter Sunday. And you have, a direct, you have a direct conduit to their heart to come to church next Sunday. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ next Sunday. And as we do that, they're going to be without excuse as they are introduced, maybe for the first time, maybe reminded, maybe someone's already planted someone else's water. We're going to come along beside and cultivate that thought. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready to meet him? And so we're talking about the, millennia, the, the millennial reign of Christ, the millennium. And I really believe in Scripture there's four corner posts of the millennium. Our time doesn't permit us to look at all of those this morning. In fact, our time's probably only going to permit us to look at the first one today. Next Sunday being Easter, and we'll pick up the rest of this in the weeks to come. But here's corner post number one. In the scripture that we read this morning, we learned this. Satan will be forcefully restrained. Satan will be forcefully restrained. We read about this in our text this morning, in particular in the first three verses of Revelation chapter 20. And let me remind you of verse number 3. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. In this golden age called the millennium, and if you're just joining us in this study, we started at Revelation. We've been going verse by verse, uh, line by line, word by word were necessary for many, many months, almost all of 2022. And here in 23, and uh, we've been looking at the millennium. Uh, I've been looking at the, the end times, and we've now come to the millennium. And so we've already examined things like the rapture, and we've examined things like the tribulation period. And so this is where our journey takes us to what happens after the battle of Armageddon. And in this golden age, the millennium, the Bible says this, Satan will be bound. And at this very moment, as I am speaking, God has, for some reason, allowed Satan to verse, to traverse, to walk through this earth, planet earth, as a roaring lion. In fact, the Bible even says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And if you knew that in our city that there was a lion on the loose and that he was very hungry, he was very ravenous, you, as you were out walking in your neighborhood or on your sidewalk or going to your car, you would walk with fear and trepidation and you would look everywhere to see if that lion was going to pounce on, on you. You would be very careful. You would be sober. You would be vigilant. But there's coming a time when this roaring lion is going to be chained the Bible says he's going to go to a prison, if you will. The court has met. The gavel has fallen. The arch, that arch criminal, his name is Satan. Uh, he has been pronounced guilty, and he receives the longest prison sentence in history. How long is his prison sentence? 1,000 years. 
And uh, he's going to be bound and thrown into what is referred to as the bottomless pit. Oh, this is not his final destination, as we're going to see. It's merely a holding tank until he is finally cast into what we can refer to as the liquid lake of fire. My friend, I trust you know Jesus and that you'll never be in the lake of fire. But if you're here today under the sound of my voice and listening and you've never made a decision, what do I do with Jesus? And if you've never decided to follow Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, one day you'll be in that same liquid lake of fire and Satan will be your roommate. This is not his final destination here in Revelation chapter 20. But the Bible says that whatever he's done up until that time, he's been adjudicated guilty. What is the indictment against him? Well, look with me in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 2. Look at the names that are given to him, names that you read about just a moment ago, and you can see in his description of names his wicked character. For example, the Bible says he's called a dragon. A dragon is defined as one that is ferocious, murderous, and the Bible says that Satan is a murderer. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. May I just tell you, Satan has been charged with murder, and he brings death to the young. He brings death to happiness and death to purity and death to holiness. Satan is all about spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. He is a killer. He wants to snatch your very soul from you. And the Bible says the thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so he has been charged with that crime. Not only is he referred to as a dragon, notice there in verse number 2, in this same passage, he's referred to as a serpent. The word serpent in the Bible speaks of this, deception. The Bible calls him the serpent that deceives the whole world. And so we charge him with extortion. He is a deceiver. We charge him with perjury. We charge him with deception. But now, not only that, in verse number 2, he is referred to and called the devil. The word devil means accuser. And Satan is charged with slander. He's charged with liable. He's charged with defamation. He's charged with blasphemy because he is the slanderer. He slanders God before men. And he slanders men before God. And therefore, the Bible says he is adjudicated guilty. I want you to notice in verse number 2, he is also described with this word. He is called Satan. Now, the word Satan means this, adversary. That, that, that's what this word literally means. And this is another charge against him. He is charged as being this, the adversary of God. Satan is charged with high treason against heaven's king. And the gavel has fallen. Satan is guilty. And behind every jail, behind every hospital, behind every asylum, behind every child molestation, behind every rape, behind every pillage, all arson, all hatefulness, all hellishness, all transgenderism is this person called Satan. He's an accomplice to every crime. He has committed high crimes against God, and he is now adjudicated guilty. And the Bible says he is cast into prison. The Bible says that there's an angel that has a key to the bottomless pit called the abyss. 
This is the prison house where Satan is incarcerated. Oh, the Bible tells us at one time in our study that we saw that Satan had the key. And Satan uh, opened the bottomless pit and loosed a demon. And uh, in fact, hordes of demons upon this earth that are alive and well at this very moment. But now an angel has that same key. Satan himself is bound by a chain and cast into this bottomless pit. And one day, if you're not saved, you'll see him there. I would like for you to turn over with me to the book of Isaiah. I would like for you to turn to Isaiah chapter 14. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah for just a few moments. And a couple of different passages of Scripture, I'd encourage you to turn over and see these verses with your very own eyes. In Isaiah chapter 14, we see a brief biography of this person called Satan. And look with me, if you will, verses 12 and following. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which disweakened the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That they see thee, shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? In verse 16, we read here that, they're going to have to squint to see him. You mean that's him, that worm? Uh, that, uh, that's the one that's going to exalt himself above God? The lowest of the low in a pit so low it doesn't even have a bottom. You're going to have to squint to see him one day. Oh, you say, that was the guy. That was the one that was living so big and high and handsome. Satan's going to be placed in a bottomless pit. Satan is not chained now. It's going to happen in the future. Oh, the amillennials, they will tell you that Satan is chained now. I say if he is chained now, uh, he's got an awful long chain on him because he's still ruling and reigning this world. But the Bible says that he's going to be cast headlong into the bottomless pit. And when he is cast into this bottomless pit, he's going to be there for a period of time called 1,000 years. And with that, we see corner post number one, that Satan, the wicked person, is going to be cast into a place called hell. 